Hey, uh, welcome to Movie Butts. I'm Arnie Joe, And I am Dane. This is a, you know, the podcast where, you know, we, we pick a topic. Generally, it's a, you know, a film director, a franchise, a studio, an actor. What's a weird one we could do in the future that we haven't done, Dane? I don't think we've done actor yet. We've done, we, we did an actor once, I swear. Didn't we do, we're kind of doing Sean Connery now. Kind of. Uh, spoilers. Um, basically, we pick that topic and then... Um, undisputably there is always going to be a good one and a bad one or a better and a worse in some instances. And, um, you know, we do a bunch of math and a bunch of, um, number crunching to figure out which is the best and worst of the, of the topic. That math includes Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb, Metacritic, the box office, the budget, audience and critic response. Basically, if you uh, average it all out, adjust for inflation, do all the little bibbly-wobbly, hobbly-tobbly stuff, uh, it, it becomes usually quite clear what the best and the worst is. Um, what was our topic uh, this week, Dane? Uh, we did the best and the worst of Sean Connery Bond. Uh, so that basically, uh, the math pointed that uh, Goldfinger was the best, um, which that episode uh, aired on Tuesday. If you haven't listened to it, give it a listen. Uh, otherwise, the, the worst was a weird one called Never Say Never Again. Now, before we go into the math and such in, in regards to that, I'd just like to apologize. Uh, basically, we started recording, I think, the best episode of this entire show. <laughs> I think it was... Um, I think we were going to retire after that one. Uh, I don't know if you agree, Dane, but it was it was it was magic. Um, and then uh, a little thing called f- the fucking NBN uh, came and shit all over it, and uh, as a result, it's lost in time like teardrops in the rain. So I apologize if uh, anything sounds a bit funny. Um, just know that this is a tribute to the. Uh, to what was the original <laughs> Never Say Never Again review. All right. Do you remember when the clown turned up? That was so good. You know, we had the guest clown, Boinky. Like, yeah. his opinion on Never Say Never Again is... It was going off. It was going off. It was such he, a, it was such he a weird He tragically died after the, after the original one. So we can't actually get Boinky's uh, opinion on this one anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. But we've got we've to we've we've move on. So... Never Say Never Again is an unofficial Bond movie. It mm-hmm. was made um, not by Eon and I think Universal, uh, or maybe this was Universal, but it wasn't made by Eon, the original producers of James Bond. Um, the guy, there's a gentleman named Kevin McCollery who basically sued the original author of James Bond, particularly for the, the novel Thunderball, and essentially owned the rights to Thunderball. As as a result of that, he had the right to remake it and do whatever the fuck he wanted with the franchise. And that resulted in the 1983 independent James Bond movie called Never Say Never Again, who uh, somehow, yeah. somehow they convinced Sean Connery to star in. Um, I read that Connery helped them work on the script... Yep. From the mid-70s. I, so I didn't know about that, but I do know that one of the reasons he did sign on for this was because one of his biggest issues with the original Bond movies was that he felt like a pawn in the grand scheme of things, like he was a meat puppet. And they kind of went out of their way to prove that to him by replacing him and such. But yeah. I think the reason why he did this is because, like you said, he had a lot of input into it. Uh, apparently, it had a lot to do with casting, so he had a lot of input with who got cast in the film. Um, I just want to quickly just get out of the way. Mathematically, uh, critics didn't mind this movie. Um, audiences didn't like it. And I think the reason being was um, it's not James Bond. It's not official, and uh, th- there's a lot of tribalism when it comes to this stuff. I'm sure a lot of people were mad that someone was trying to hone in on their franchise so yeah audiences were a bit mixed on it and um we gave Even it a no the man himself is back at back at it again they literally marketed this film as bond versus bond uh yeah. all the newspapers were on it because uh, i think it was for your eyes only or octopussy i can't remember i think it was octopussy came yeah. out within a month and it was basically yeah the media latched on to the fact that is it who's better, Sean Connery or Roger Moore? 
Um, mm. At the end of the day, Roger Moore, the the actual James Bond movie, won. But this gave a bit of, it gave it a bit of a run for its money. It did earn $160 million. So... Yeah, it didn't. The, the Roger Moore one didn't smash it. And but it won. Yeah, it, it, it did win. And I think that that has... Honestly, I think that comes down to the the intro where Bond points at the camera and the gun barrel drops and it's got the Bond music. Like yeah. that dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Because there's a point in this film where they're like on this... Uh, horse chase sequence and there's just this like African bongo music playing <laughs> and I was saying to my girlfriend I'm like yeah this is the point where I think that that Bond theme is supposed <laughs> to be playing <laughs> instead we got these jungle bongos yeah this the like this film is a perplexing one for me because it's it is crap um, it's not great, um, you know. Um, however, some of the th- some of the elements missing from the actual Bond movies actually made this refreshing for me. Mm. I don't know if it was the same experience for you. However, it was a dual-edged sword because some of the moments where they tried to really replicate the older one, like the the actual James Bond movies, is where it became laughable for me. Yeah. Like. When they you know, like it's, it felt like Sean Connery was at times was in a weird fan film, but then there were moments where they weren't really too leaning heavily on the law where I found it quite enjoyable. Mm. Um, what did you overall think of this one, Dane? I think it's all right, actually. I didn't mind it. Um, and yeah, I think you should pr- probably elaborate. You're not the biggest fan of Bond. No, I like, um, I like Casino Royale. I like Skyfall. And I've seen like a handful of other ones. I didn't like Gold Goldfinger. I think it's well, you know what I think about that. It's pretty repulsive shit, actually. And it's like if you want to hear his opinions on that, uh, we talked in length <laughs> in the previous episode, so we. I don't think we really need to open that um, that exact can of worms. Yeah, I'll right just now. <laughs> I'll just say that I was relieved to see that he didn't rape anyone in this film. Um, which he does in Thunderball. Yeah. And he he does a full Weinstein in Thunderball, the which is the first one. Well, yeah. like this is a remake of Thunderball. So or, yeah, or just so like another adaptation. This is uh, again the only reason this could get made is because the guy who produced it owned the rights to Thunderball. So mm. it is reworked. The plots have similar beats, however, they are different films in my opinion. Yeah. Um, they change enough. I honestly, I wish they changed more, but there was probably a quota for yeah. how much they had to keep consistent. Um, yeah. I am probably in the minority of people, and you might be in that too. But I actually prefer this to Thunderball. I do definitely. Um, this film is a bit more fun, I think, because of the liberation of not having to follow a lot of the tropes like again you know like movies a lot of movies these days have like a pretty consistent look book you know like all the marvel movies look the same all the dc movies look the same all the fucking fast and the furious movies they all look the same and the same could be said for a lot of the james bond movies and i think where this one shines is that it doesn't necessarily have to follow the same formula um, no, like instead of the, the gun barrel scene and then like a, an obnoxious three minute sequence of, um, silhouetted women dancing around guns, it just like has 007 all over the screen. And then the credits play over, um, an action scene of him breaking into, um, uh, some facility in the jungle, um, Taking out all these guerrilla troops. I was laughing at that, by the way. Yeah, and then he saves this woman, but then she stabs him, and then it turns out it's all a simulation. But we're we're straight into it, you know. Yep. We're not we're not fucking about with this song and bullshit. You know, I'm well, sure that's quite nice. A lot of people like that. I don't. So I was happy to see the movie just start. 
Well, one of the big things with Bond, and it was a part of uh, Goldfinger and such, is that a trope is that there's always a cold open. So there's a sequence at the beginning of the movie that's like him finishing the previous mission before you can move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. And they, yeah, they pretty much scrap that. They they amalgamate the song, which is terrible. I the fucking song in this sucks, with pretty much a almost a prelude, but it kind of flows into the story, which I thought was far better. Um, in this one, in in both this and Thunderball, uh, Bond goes to a uh, a rehab is it rehab clinic yeah. like a health clinic. And in Thunderball, I can't actually tell you why he goes there. Yeah, I think in Thunderball, it's just, um, it's alluded to that he often does, or, or, or that it's a, yeah. a, a common thing for agents. That he, he suffered, because he suffered an injury from beating up that man in the dress, because he has a yeah. bruise. And she's like, oh, bloody hell, you got a bruise. And he's like, I punched a woman. He was a dick. And that's meant to be very funny or something and then flew away with a yeah yeah, yeah. in this pack, one which... um in this one <laughs> i was surprised to find that they address bond's age um yeah which was kind of disappointing but i thought they handled it pretty well because i was hoping that sean connery was going to be wearing like a jet wig and pretending to be 32 again yeah. So, do you prefer this, or do you prefer? Would you have preferred it if it was hand fisted? So him just trying. I to thought bomb? it was going to be a very sad affair. I was very surprised at how competent um, this is, and how much everyone seems to be trying. I think that there was more care put into this than Thunderball. Those movies, to me, feel like a. Just to turn the money printer on. Yeah, get get Sean Connery back. Like, Sean Connery was the only one who seemed to vaguely give a shit about making a Bond film. Everyone there was just kind of like, yeah, we're just here to make the stupid Bond movie. With this one, it felt like there was, you know, there was some passion in it. They were trying to make a genuinely good movie. Some, that, something that wasn't just complete trash but you know was was still fun so they address his age he, he still wears a hairpiece but he's wearing a graying hairpiece and the reason he goes to the rehab is getting old and they also address his alcoholism and he's a what is he he just eats a lot of goose fat or something yeah um <laughs> he sneaks it into the fucking health clinic yeah so um, I thought that was cool that they address Bond's alcoholism, but not in a um, in a positive way, where they're like, um, I told the, the pilot, provide drinks for three. And he's like, who's coming with me? Uh, no, just you. Ah, ha, 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 he drinks a lot. That's like a throwaway joke in Goldfinger, wasn't it? Yeah. In this one, it's like, Bond, you're an alcoholic. You're unhealthy. <laughs> you got to go to rehab. Um, so you still have the same <laughs> rehab thing, but I think the reason for him being there is is much better in it, and it adds to um, the character. I think I think when it comes to a lot of the elements coming together in this one, again, and it's holding its head above water. Like the, I, there is a lot of the, uh, this film I don't like, and I think it's quite tacky. But mm. a lot of those same feelings I had for just Bond in general, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, did you did you see who directed this? No. So the director of this is Irvin Kirshner, who directed The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, okay. Yeah, Holy so shit. they got someone who, in my eyes, has some modicum of respect, you know? Um, yeah. Funnily enough, he's known as a director that's never been in the Director's Guild. That's how he got to do um, Star Wars. And then here's him directing something that he technically shouldn't be directing either. You know, like an unofficial Bond movie. But I think that might have helped with a bit of the character in this film. And the and the acting as well. A lot of the Jam- other James Bond movies, and let's not talk about um, now, you know, you've got Sam Mendes and all that shit now. And you've got directors that are, I guess, somewhat respected and do other stuff. But mm-hmm. back in the day, the, the directors of the Bond movies were 
were studio guys, the kind yeah. of guys that they have and they go, oh, we need someone who can deliver a film under budget that will listen to our orders. Uh, we'll get Guy Hamilton or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, we'll get one of those guys. So mm-hmm. I think I think a lot of the charm that we're experiencing could possibly be maybe the mix of Sean Connery caring mm-hmm. um, and not feeling like a fucking meat puppet, being allowed to maybe have a bit of creative freedom there. And um, the director, you know, this is a good director. Like, I don't think he's done... Like, I think the other thing he directed was uh, Robocop 2, but let's not talk about that. Um, but yeah, it's... I think it makes a lot of difference in this film. Yeah, and there's... Um, there's there's minor flourishes that might go unnoticed, but they, they add to the, the tone and the fluidity of the film. I mean, it's just small things like um, when Bond steals the guy's gun... And then he disposes of it in this ice bucket as he's passing by rather than just, you know, a a wide shot of Bond walking over and putting it in the bucket. As he's walking past, there's a close up of his hand pulling the gun out, doing a little spin move with it and then dropping it into the bucket. And it looks so cool. And I think that there's, you know, there's something to be said about it being shot in the eighties because, and the others being in the sixties, because it, it could also be the development of film technology and techniques. Um, I disagree that because, yeah, because the Roger Moore bond movies look mm-hmm. a bit better than the Sean Connery ones, but they all still yeah. have that, they all look the same still. So even even the ones that were okay, coming out yeah. now in the official I haven't seen canon. I haven't seen them, so I didn't know if maybe this was trying to be a bit more like those, like that was what modern Bond looked like at the time. No, no. Well, after that, so not long after this, um, uh, Ro- uh, what's his name? Timothy Dalton took over as James Bond and those mm-hmm. movies started to look a, like I found a bit more interesting. But the Roger Moore ones still, like, they're shot like, they just, you can tell they're on sets, like, a Mm -hmm. lot. Like, they all just feel like studios. They've all got too much lighting. And to me, they're all so overlit. And fake. They just feel super fake. Connery ones are. Yeah. And and, and much can be said about the Roger Moore ones as well. it, It does get better with the Roger Moore ones, but it's still a lot of the time, it just feels disgustingly sterile and studio. No, this feels, um, for lack of a better term, cinematic. Yeah. I mean, there's actually, just before that little uh, flippy part that I mentioned, um, when he takes the gun from this guy, there's this fantastic piece of imagery of him um, pushing the guy into this um, big open wardrobe or something. And it's it's like a sliding door, so it has like several slits in it when you when you open it and then when you close it the light all goes away but it projects light into the room in a very interesting way and moves around when when they move the door so he opens it um and then as he's closing it and pulls the gun out points it at the guy you've got these interesting light moving across the um across the wall and a good bit of sharp dialogue and the camera just pushes in nicely and i was like that is some of the nicest cinematography <laughs> I've seen in a Bond film. Like, way better than anything you'd see in the other Connery movies. Mm. I was actually really impressed. Especially that I was expecting this to be just a, a big fucking sad disaster. What? To see that it had, you know, some Effort. some real cinematic expertise like that. I was like, fucking hell, that looks nice. I even rewound it a bit and I was... I was pointing it out to my girlfriend, being like, look at that, that's fucking great. And she's like, Yeah, just play the movie. What what um, did you yeah. um what did you think of the casting outside of Connery, obviously? I think um Kim Basinger and that the main bad guy. Yep. Not like the, the head villain, but the bad you know, guy, our main and yeah. our main antagonist. I thought they were great. I thought I, I agree with you. I thought they were so like compared to Thunderball, incredibly mm. fleshed out. 
Yeah. Like the the in Thunderball, the the heroine, the the damsel in distress is like 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 that says a damsel in distress. She's a I think a like a almost underage girl. I think they almost come. Impo- she's very young. She's like the ward yeah. of the bad. She's the ward of the bad guy, and they don't really explain too much. Um, why? And it's kind of weird. Um, yeah. So I she's really like figure out who she. Yeah. Was so or she what was. Real relationship and, was. And, and 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 there's these little elements that make the character of Kim Basinger the 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 co-lead in this one compared to the other one just far more compelling and it has to do with their story so in in thunderball she's the brother of the bad guy that steals the the bombs and then gets his throat slit by by the bad guy but in the in the in thunderball he's a bad bastard like he's a bad guy he's as bad as the as the antagonist right so when she's like, oh, my brother's dead. Nah, I'm not, I wasn't really feeling bad for her at all. I'm mm-hmm. like, just another goon bar died. Like another bad guy just got killed. Who cares? Yeah. But they reworked it in this that like, she actually genuinely had a relationship with her brother. Mm. And it's in very, very intensely implied that he was pretty, almost kind of doing this under duress. Would you agree? Um, yeah, kind of. Yeah, so it didn't seem so. as black and white as him just being an evil guy. You know, it kind of felt like he was kind of a bit brainwashed and, like, I think they were holding her captive and that's why she yeah, was doing she it. Yeah, was forced into it. Yeah, and, and that helps the situation a lot. Also, instead of um, her just being an underage ward that Bond fucks because he likes fucking, you know, <laughs> raping people. Anything. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's been changed to that. She's kind of in a relationship with the bad guy and he's like a super, well, she uh, is, he's he's, he's super possessive. Um, uh, what's the insecure? Like he's insecure. He has a character. Yeah. Um, and, and that's his uh, weakness. He's not just, um, an evil guy. Who, who wears an eye patch and has a, a pool full of sharks? Um, he's like this petty, insecure, jealous, possessive um, boyfriend of Kim Basinger's character. And then with Bond's kiss thing, I thought that this was clever working Bond's fucking uh, sexual appetite into it. A, a useful tool as a plot device rather than just yeah in order to enrage the the antagonist he kisses um kim basinger to 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 make him mad and make him lose his cool so he's um you know not so cool under pressure um yeah. i thought that was pretty clever i mean like the this shit isn't shakespeare no. right but i like this more than Goldfinger, quite a bit. I don't like Goldfinger, but I didn't. I didn't mind this, and it, especially because everyone's doing their best, and I think it's well cast. And Sean Connery, this is the best I've ever seen him act in anything. He's really doing a good job in this. Really trying his best. Now, for yeah. me, there's a bit of a there's a bit of a coin flip. Well, not coin flip. Again, dual edged sword when it comes to the casting. So when it comes to the original ca- characters for the story, um, I found it was really good. So again, like Kim Basinger, Basinger, I can't I can't pronounce her name. I thought she was pretty good. I thought the bad guy was pretty good. Um, for the few seconds that the big bad guy's on the screen, I'm like, you know what? It's Max von Sydow. He's doing all right. For me the stuff that was jarring was the 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 main series characters mm-hmm. like i found them to be i found that stuff really sad like m is it like m and stuff yeah i didn't like m m was obnoxious mm. and annoying i didn't like yeah, m's q yeah very they're very different in this right yeah he's like just he seems just like have you ever seen the um the pink panther movies by any chance, any mm-hmm. of the Pink Panther. So in that, it's kind of 
you know, it's about a detective and he has his superintendent and his superintendent's just always angry. Mm-hmm. So it kind of felt like that, just like this char- all this character was doing was just shouting and being mad and yeah, British I the thought, whole time. I thought that this was a new M because doesn't he have a line at the beginning where he's like, 007, you have to go and go and detox rehab. And then he's like, well, you're just trying to get rid of me. You haven't had much use for the double O's since you took over. And I'm like, yeah. oh, it's a new M, and he's he's kind of like a bad guy. That's uh, interesting. I don't know. It's I well either way, this interpretation of this M and his acting. I don't know. I feel like because he's got those characters have a lot of they have to they have to prove themselves probably a lot harder. Mm. Um, I felt that a lot of them were overdoing it. And that's right. to me, and Money Penny, like it just felt like that that scene with Money Penny at the start, and it's just not Money Penny. Like to me, those bits made me cringe a bit. Like that's oh, when really? the movie was feeling a bit sad to me. But as soon as yeah. he got out and was just being a secret agent, it was a lot easier to digest. But they had mm-hmm. to get through those tropes and those those pitfalls, you know, those elements of Bond that are essential, and they got them out of the way pretty quickly. You know what I mean? Like they didn't really linger on that stuff too much. It's very quickly he's in the Bahamas. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think um, because I'm not attached to these movies at all. So when you're like, wait, that's not Money Penny. Yeah, but I'm it just like, felt. I don't, I don't know. It just, for me, it just they just felt sad. And I thought, have him just interact with a stand-in character. So because I quite liked, I quite liked the interaction between. Because I don't like his interactions with Money Penny in Goldfinger and Thunderball, where she's like, "Oh, Bond, over him. are you gonna marry me?" And he's like, "Well, maybe I'll put you over my knee, bitch." And I'm like, "Oh, this is weird." In this one, <laughs> um, the M tells him to get rid of the free radicals in his system, meaning like um, toxins and alcohol and stuff, and then. He comes out and Money Penny's like, "What's your mission, Bond? Is it dangerous?" And he's like, "Oh yes, I'm to destroy all free radicals." And then he just walks off, and she's like, "Be careful!" And that's it. That's all Money Penny is Does, in yeah. this. I don't know. And I liked that there wasn't some sort of ridiculous fucking the uh, rape tango happening with them. And it was just a, f- a funny little joke and that's it. He's out of there. That's very true. I think for me, the hump had a lot to do with the opening. Like just the whole opening. Like, you know, I have mm. my arms crossed because I'm ready to watch a shit show. You're waiting for the, you're waiting for the, for the real Bond intro. Well, not the necessarily. Like, like I, I guess yeah. so. I'm kind of ex- half expecting it. And then they didn't yeah. do it and 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 it's fine and in retrospect i kind of and i liked it in retrospect but i think i just had this like bit of a sour demeanor until until it became quite clear that it's um Mm. just gonna be different you know what i mean yeah so for a while i was a bit uh what am i what am i watching this is just fucking sad you know Um, i think ultimately that's what it's gonna come down to is if you're if you really like James Bond and you get caught up in all that stuff. You like the music, you like the car, you like the, the, the intro. Um, then this would be weird and you probably won't like it. Yes. Cause it will just feel like you're watching off brand Bond. Let me, fi- let me finish what I was Sean saying. Connery. When, oh, sorry. when he gets, and the, for me, the, the sequence in the, the, health clinic felt a bit off as well but that had Mm -hmm. more to do with the film um you know it does that convenient thing where he just stumbles across the plot like it's not that kind of was annoying but that happens in the original as well but for me the movie really starts when he goes to the bahamas that to me is when i start to really like like enjoy it a lot more because that's when it is again it, it is separating itself from from of course expectations you know, and not, and, and for me, not trying, clinging on too much to, because again, the, we, we, we can't, we, however much we might've liked this more than we expected or whatever, this is still a cr- pretty 
cripplingly cynical thing to have been made, right? You know what I'm saying? Mm. The whole point, like, this is made by... Any more than... I don't think any more than the, like, actual... Like, the Eon Bonds. Uh, I don't know. Like, again, like, whatever story you believe in, in regards to how this guy got the rights to it, every... Like, a lot of things I read about Kevin McCallery, he's a bit of a prick. He's a bit of a bastard. Um, mm-hmm. they say Ian Fleming died. He died not long after the, um, the court case happened with this guy. And, you know, people mm. say, you know, that the stress killed him and stuff. So I don't know that there's, there's still part of me that thinks it's, it's, it's kind of gross. Oh, I think, um, the, so the guy who owns the rights to this yeah, and him commissioning a remake, that is pure cynicism yeah but i think he's the only cynical ingredient in it yeah i think sean connery isn't just there for the paycheck i think he's actually really trying quite hard and doing a good job and is wanting to humanize bond a bit more sure um i think the director is doing a good job and, and really gives a shit about making this a, a good movie. And I think that, therefore, it feels less cynical to me than, say, like, Thunderball, which was just another buy the numbers, okay, we're going to print some money, get Connery back, how much does he want this time? And the director is just some studio guy. Yeah, They just need someone to yell action, and no one really cares you know well so i agree with you that it is a an initial cynical endeavor sure um and again that that does leave you know a bit of a sour taste in my mouth but again Mm. as it went on when i got over that initial hump and that hump does have a lot to do with really shoving the artifice of bond in the audience's face am i wrong Mm. These are all these things that you know, but they're not as you know them. And, you know, and that stuff for me, I felt a bit annoying. You know, mm. I'm trying to think of a better word, but I'm kind of, I'm just like, it was, it, it, that was seemed, that opening stuff seemed very cynical. And then, but mm. then when it kind of became its own movie in a way, when it moved away from a lot of the Bond stuff, that's when it became better and and i think again they they were just obligated to do a lot of that stuff you know what i mean yeah because it is a bond movie they have to have all this shit in it so you know actually anytime it's becoming uh, a typical bond movie i think is when it's at its weakest yeah i agree completely um the the strengths are in um the the times when you forget you're watching technically a bond film and it just looks like you're watching an action film sean sean connery in some sort of espionage thriller yeah and quite a quite a decent one did you did you know that this was rowan atkinson's first movie no i didn't even know he was in it so that was a pleasant surprise yeah i i and he does a really good job in the role you know he's just this bumbling guy and like I, i i forgot he was in it too because I saw this years ago, and I kind of deleted it from my brain, probably because I was a bit more of a, you know, less open-minded with stuff. You know, I was probably one of those people with my arms folded going, this is your bone movie, me, you know? <laughs> but um, he's great, you know? Mm. Um, I'm And, yeah. Um, also, I just want to make special mention of the high point of the film for me is the motorbike chase sequence oh yeah which i think is genuinely thrilling and well shot and then it the way that whole (laughs) sequence comes to an end with the exploding pen i thought that that was fantastic i thought the end like i like the beginning the ending i started getting a bit grumpy with the whole get him in the back of the truck bit because I'm like, really? Just, just I thought that was great. No, but but like when when bad guys do just dumb shit, yeah. Uh, it like, why didn't someone that was get that in there? Why didn't someone get in there with him and push him off the bike or something? Do you know what I mean? Like, there's just like logic. Hey, they holes. weren't they weren't expecting that he was gonna ride back out 
off the door and do a jump over them. Yeah, but it's I James didn't see Bond. That coming. Yeah, but you know what? They always underestimate him. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and they did it again. And I uh I mean, I guess that's kind of stupid, but it's not it's a, it's it's definitely a forgivable stupid because it the scene ends with him being cornered by the crazy lady who's trying to kill him who uh and she fucks him for no reason right but she also does that in thunderball as well but in this one they give her a reason in that she's aware that he's like a famous lover and she wants to be the best so before she shoots him, she's like, admit it, I was the best. And he's like, oh, I don't know about that. She's like, admit it, I'm the best. And he's like, you know what? I was going to put in my memoirs that you're the best. And she's like, write it down now. And she gives him a piece of paper and like starts getting him to write, this woman was the best route I ever had in my life. And he's, the pen he's using is the exploding pen that they give him at the start. And then he points the pen at her and shoots this fucking explosive and she explodes. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was pretty over the top. Um, I, one, one big plus for me with, compared to Thunderball was there were far less underwater sequences I don't know about in, you. In this one? Yeah. I don't know about yeah. you, but in Thunderball, those scenes were putting me to sleep. Oh, especially the the, the big scuba diver battle. Oh, at in the Thunderball. end. It's so fucking boring. It's all it's all boring. It's I was cuz just as a bit of extra homework for this episode, we both watched Thunderball as well, and mm. it was just it seemed like and I think this might have been part of it. They actually figured out the technology to shoot this under like underwater sequences, so they just mm. went to fucking town with it. They're like, we got to shoot as much underwater as we can because nobody's seen it before. Yeah, and it just it just full looks like they're in a pool. Oh yeah, it was bad. It was just they're boring. In a big um, pool. I I do have to say that the shark in this was the least in, in Never Seen Ever Again was the least threatening shark I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, in, just some big docile dog shark yeah i was saying it this is the shark's reminding me of a dog yeah like the thing is like i think we have the added benefit of being australians and we know what a scary shark is and what a non-scary shark is mm. and that shark could not hurt a fly you no. know that shark it's is a just lovely a little shark give uh, him a pat yeah it's the sort of one that'll maybe bump you with its nose but i don't even think it had teeth mm. i barely saw teeth in that shark so that was laughable um his I was both shocked, in pain from laughter, confused, and had my mind broken at the bit where he rides the horse off the building. Oh, yes. That is fantastic. It, That's where full 60s Bond comes back. Yeah. When he jumps off the castle on the horse. That and looks so shit. That hurt my brain. <laughs> like it hurt my brain. I'm like, what did I just see? Like it starts with them riding and it's like, watch this or whatever he says. And I'm like, what are you going to do? Like, what is he going to do? Has he got a plan? Oh, the plan is just to kill the horse. Like I'm just going to fucking peg this horse into yeah. shallow water. They and just then, jump off this castle off a cliff and land in the water and, below. And then like, it, you know, he starts riding and then like you see his face and it's like in pain and shock but it's like the most green screen shot you've ever seen ever. Like it's just, yeah. it was really bad, but it was funny, you know? It's really, it's, it's really fucking funny. And this, this bond takes itself more seriously than the other ones, I think, but only a little bit in that, they try harder to develop the characters. I think that's that's most of it, really. And they tone down the campiness a bit, but there's still enough of that silly camp shit that by the time he's jumping off a cliff on a horse, it doesn't feel that out of place. No. There's, there's still enough of that stuff. 
but it but it but it's it's it it doesn't have the the jetpack thing. Uh, it's got a sort of it's got sort of a jetpack. There is a scene with a jetpack, but I've deleted it from my brain. Can you explain it to me? Yeah, so they're in a a submarine or something towards the end, and then they shoot these torpedoes out of the the ship, and Sean and they shoot it right up into the sky, and then the shell breaks off. And it's Sean Connery standing inside it. And then it turns in and then he like starts piling it around and it like has um, like jet propulsion at the bottom. And so it's sort of like a jet pack. But imagine if it's sort of like he's standing on it and he's sort of like holding a cage and he's guiding that thing around. Um, it's a bit weird. Stupid shit. <laughs> I've, and I was, I was thinking that... Maybe that's one of the things that they had to put in there to make it still a Thunderball, Thunderball thing. Thunderball thing. Because um, in Thunderball, they have the jetpack. Did you like that opening sequence of Thunderball? Uh, yeah, I love it because it's one of the most absurd things I've ever seen. Like, it goes, like, so he follows this woman from a funeral to her house or something, like a hotel. And then, yeah. and then he like walks up to her and then just flat out punches her in the face. And it's funny because it's clear that the actor, the actress, that it was an actress originally, but as soon mm. as they hit the ground and he takes off the wig, it's very clearly a man. Yeah. And this is the shit. This <laughs> is body shape changes. Yeah. This is, this is clearly the shit that like, you know, Austin Powers is parodying, you know? And then, yeah. and then it just breaks out to this really bizarre fight. And then he get he climbs out the window, doesn't he? And then he runs across some roofs. Mm. And then before you know it, he's putting on a helmet and he's flying away on a jetpack. Yeah. And it, and it's but he like, just flies down the building yeah. to his car. Yeah. So that's somehow more practical, which means he had to stash a jetpack there earlier on instead of just a rope. Yeah. And it makes no sense as to why there would be a jetpack there, but I will I will stand by my guns. It is the best cold open to a to a James Bond movie ever because it mm. it does jump the shark. It is incredibly ridiculous. It doesn't need yeah. the rest of the film. You can just watch that and have a have a laugh at how no, absolutely it's, it's ridiculous. It's definitely it is. the most. It's definitely the most memorable part mm. of of Thunderball. What's your uh, What's your least favorite part about Thunderball? Um, um, honestly, because I'd seen Never Say Never Again, it was things like the sharks in the pool or, um, the big evil meeting hall, you know, like in Never Say Never Again, when they have the big, I don't know if they're called Spectre in Never Say Never Again. Okay. So when they have the Spectre meeting, it's just in some guy's mansion dining area which makes sense mm. um in in thunderball they're, they're in a room that could only be a room designed to have evil meetings at it's dr evil's lair yeah and so that shit as soon as I, we were there i was like oh yeah fuck because I, I couldn't <laughs> figure out why i was enjoying never say never again and it's because it doesn't have any of that cheesy bond shit in it the the that, really that campy stuff it takes out uh never say never takes out all the stuff that austin powers parodies and do you think that might be why fans and audiences may have hated never say never again yeah i think because it didn't have those things in it yeah because it does it would the thing that made it the worst was um not not it's not it's critical response it's critical response was actually on par with Thunderball, funnily enough, and a lot of the other ones that had very similar uh, opinions from critics. But the, yeah, the audiences, like it had the lowest um, IMDb and the lowest Rotten Tomatoes score, like audience score. So uh, yeah, I think it might have to be expectations. You know, expectations weren't met. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, I guess, I guess it would be a bit of a slap in the. But you're going to see an unofficial Bond movie for fuck's sake. What are you expecting? I guess. Yeah, people like their familiar 
tokens. Like, I don't mean to... I'm, I'm going to harp on something that the whole internet is arguing... will argue with until the end of time. And it's, it's similar to, say, The Last Jedi, where people went to see it and had certain expectations. And when it wasn't that film, it's like the worst thing ever made. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's, I guess, something comparable I can think of. But I think it would be like going to see... Actually, I was about to say, it would be like going to see a Star Wars film and it doesn't have the scroll. But everyone fucking love Rogue One, so... Whatever. Yeah, I think it's just I think it's just tropes. People have these certain things. Like, you know, people are getting mad at um, uh, uh, Quantum of Solace because he doesn't say Bond, James Bond, in it. And, <laughs> and he doesn't say he martini doesn't shaken. say it. Yeah. He's supposed to say it in every movie. I look forward to him saying it. Yeah, and, you know, martini shaken, not stirred. Like, people were getting genuinely angry over that. <laughs> over that, you know? Yeah, um, you know, and that's why I can't fucking... As much as I don't like it, I can't blame Disney for not changing that Marvel formula and just like getting it right down to an exact recipe. That's the same every time. Cause if you know, for it, me, that's boring, but if you change it, you probably piss a lot of people. Oh, off. you'll piss everyone off. Yeah. That's the thing. You'll piss everyone off. And um, mm. that's what DC and that's the issue with DC. I know we're going on a bit of a tangent here, but DC are a bit, flippy floppy with it i think because they don't know they haven't come up with their own formula mm. um they're trying to experiment and i'm not saying it's good i don't like the dc stuff but they're trying to they don't know what the thing is yet they haven't found that magical ingredient so audiences are shitting all over it because it's not you know mm -hmm. not consistent yep. and then once they hit onto something that works they'll just try to remake it over and over again yeah. Which sucks, but if they don't do that, then they don't get a lot of people. You I, know, I think they hit the. Droves. I think they hit the formula with um, Aquaman. So let's, if you liked Aquaman, you'll get ready for get a ready lot more for of that. A lot more of um, that stuff. So just to kind of start wrapping things up here, I resent you the uh, best and worst reviews of uh, Never Say Never Again. Do you uh, do you mind reading mm -hmm. them? Okay. So this is a 10 out of 10 review cool. by what do I want? Do you want me to read the best or the worst? You, one you do whatever you want, Dan. Okay. So this is a 10 out of 10 review by bluesman 20. I love these IMDB usernames. Yeah, I know they're great. Um, welcome back. 007. We missed you from July, 2010. Never say never again is just a remake of Thunderball, but updated to the eighties. Sean Connery is back in action as James Bond. Sure, Bond is a little older and his skills have slipped a little. Too many women and too many martinis and a poor choice of lifestyle have slowed him up. But when the chips are down and the world needs him, James Bond comes through perfectly every time. Never Say Never Again is not a perfect film. There are flaws, but you take the good with the bad and you enjoy it. That sounded like an order. <laughs> Like, <laughs> Was you that put the, the lotion review? in the basket. No, no, no. Okay. Um, Max von Sido. Is it Sido or Sido? I don't know. So I say Sido. Max von Sido is Blofeld. He makes the villain menacing. You can believe that Blofeld is as evil and merciless as they come. But this is Connery's show and he's back as James Bond. Everything else is just details. <laughs> oh, bless his heart. <laughs> I don't have a bad thing to say about that. It was like it was written by a five-year-old. No, he, he likes what he likes. I, I have to quickly admit, he did bring up the whole Max von Sydow as Blofeld thing. The mm. opening credits started and it said Max von Sydow. I'm like, holy shit. How the fuck did they convince Max von Sydow to be in this? This is going to be interesting. Mm. And then I realized because he clearly was there for one day of shooting. Because yeah. he's in like two scenes or three scenes and they're all shot in the same chair. Yeah, and I also thought I thought it was funny. It's like, hmm, how do we show that he's the bad guy? Um, first thing you'll do is pick up a cat. You know, like 
the first yeah, thing we see him do is that, and that's you're like, how you know it's Blofeld. Yep. Oh, it's him. He's picking up the cat. Did uh, Christoph Waltz? Because he plays Blofeld Inspector, right? Yep. Does he have a cat in that? Uh, I don't remember. I tried to delete Spectre from my brain because I didn't like it. I literally watched it the other day and I've deleted it. Is kind of a... Is Spectre a remake of Thunderball? No. So, I think... Okay, so I have a theory. Um, So, they did an origin story kind of arc with Mm -hmm. um, uh, Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, and Skyfall. And that kind of was like a saga, if you know what I mean, Mm. those three. And then Mm -hmm. I think Spectre is going to... Is the beginning of them kind of doing soft reboots of all the films, if that makes sense. Right. So I have a feeling from the trailer and just information I've heard that the Remy Malek's character in uh, Time No Time to Die is Dr. No. So I think what they're kind of doing is doing half soft reboots, if that makes sense. Right. Mm. So it's not going to be a remake, mm. but what they're going to now, they're actually going to start reintroducing elements from the older films. And kind of retelling those stories a little bit. Very cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm less interested, to be honest. You know what I mean? Never Say Never Again is better than Spectre. Yeah, definitely better than Spectre. I don't like... I didn't like Spectre. It, it seemed... I'm just... I'm super surprised that it was made by the guy that made Skyfall. Like, that does my fucking head in. He yeah, just because seems I to think, not care. I think, I think Skyfall, he had a really good idea and had a had a bond story that he wanted to tell and then that did so well they were like why don't you do another one he's like oh no i just did that and they're like well what if we give you all this money and promise that you can now make two of your films that you really want to make he's like oh all right well i I don't know I i try my best to make the best film i possibly could in those situation in that situation I didn't get that feeling from it. To me, it did feel mm. phoned in, you know? I think it just, yeah, I think you just, if your heart's not in it, he's probably still trying very hard. I don't think he was, you know, he's probably not asleep in the director's chair. No, well, there's probably a lot of... He was working quite hard, but it doesn't have the same passion and drive because he doesn't have like a burning idea, you know? It, that's it, That's what Skyfall really felt like to me. Well, that's the thing with, with Skyfall and you can almost uh, single down the the premise and the feeling and the emotion of both Skyfall and Casino Royale into very simple things, right? Casino mm-hmm. and, and they're opposites. Like Casino Royale is like, you know, a green bond and him becoming a man and all this stuff. You know what I mean? Becoming bond. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then Skyfall was about an aging bond. You know what I mean? And you can mm-hmm. kind of narrow it down to a very simple thing but at its core um uh quantum of solace and scott and specter don't have those things so they're just kind of throwaway bond movies you know yeah um shall we hear the worst one Mm-hmm. so this is a one out of ten review by vipe x 23 uh not very good at all uh 15th february 2002 <laughs> Not very good at all. All right. Uh, contrary to what people might say about this it's film... It's not good. It's not very good. <laughs> Just because Connery is back as Bond doesn't make it a good movie. Thunderball is 10 times better than this, and Octopussy is 50 times better. Music what? is weak, and the action is even weaker. I myself am a huge Bond fan. I couldn't tell. But I do not like this movie. Trust me, it's not very good, and you will be disappointed if you see it. This is written by an eight-year-old. Was that the whole review? Yeah, that's the whole review. Jesus Christ. I did not like this movie. Just because Connery's back doesn't make it good. This is not a Bond movie. He didn't say Bond, James Bond. It didn't have the opening with the gun. It didn't have the music and the dancing ladies. Where's the dun 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 Yeah, again, it's tribalism. You know what I mean? Those people that... If it's not what they like, it's the enemy. Because there's nothing here. It's There's nothing here to tell, to tell us exactly why they didn't like it. They just say it's not good. Mm. Just because just because Connery's back doesn't make it good. Thunderball is better and Octopussy is better. I think he might just resent that, that it exists. 
yeah, I think. He's I, basically. I, I don't think that, that it exists. I think if it, if it, if they had the rights to use the Bond music, they had the that stupid gun opening thing where he shoots the camera, and the um, you know the the opening credits with the dancing ladies. If all that typical shit was in there, people wouldn't give a fuck, and they wouldn't even know. That it's not an, an official, official canon Eon thing. Yeah. I don't think mainstream audiences know about that shit. It just They just know that it, there's something different. Like, people think that... Well, if um, he's a Bond fan, if he, if he thinks that Octopussy is 50 times better than this, he has mm-hmm. to have some... Like, he mentions Yeah, you're probably Octopussy. right, because, because, like, diehard Marvel fans... Um, know that Venom isn't part of the yeah, and they know the they know who the Russo brothers are. You mm. know what I mean? Like they know that they know enough. Um, but yeah, no, he mentions Octopussy specifically, so he knows that this was released the same. Yeah, year. yeah, yeah. Good point. Um, I I like this review. This is the cutest, grumpiest review we've read. That one. It's there. just it's so pouty. It's so. I prefer pouty. the I prefer the good review to that. The good review. Yeah, he. Ba- I like that the guy's. T- what's his name? Mm, Bluesman. Yeah, he's just like you know. You just got to take it with the good with the bad. I had a good time watching it. I can imagine these two being friends, and them and and, and them very politely and softly arguing about the movie after having come out and seen it. Yeah. Been like, well, hey, I liked it because you know Bond is Bond. No, it's not Bond. It didn't have the same James Bond things. Yeah, no, no, Well, no. you know, you got to take the good with the bad. But this yeah, is think, not a very good movie. I think that that's, that's what would have happened. No, that conversation would be more like, uh, the guy would be like, oh, this happened. Oh, it's not Bond. And he goes, yeah, you know, that wasn't good, but this happened. It was good. And he goes, yeah, but that doesn't matter because it's not Bond. <laughs> that's how I think that conversation no. would have went down. No, it's not Bond. This yeah. is not real Bond. I don't yeah. care if Sean Connery's back, damn it. <laughs> anyway, do you have any um closing thoughts and then your fart rating for Never Say Never Again? And mm. we'll g- uh, give me your fart rating for Thunderball as well while you're at it. Okay. Um, if if you if you desperately need the 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 typical Bond ingredients to to be there and that's why you like it, then you know you might not like it. But I think that this is a pretty well-made movie. Um, the performances are quite good. The casting is good. Um, and it's never boring. Um, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> I give it. Yeah. A, I give it a. I give it a six out of ten. Yeah. And Thunderball is just um, more t- more typical Bond shit. You know, which I'm not into, so take that with a grain of salt. I didn't like Goldfinger, and this is worse than that. Thunderball gets a two. Two two farts? Yeah, he's a he's a fucking rapist. Yeah. <laughs> um, so never say never again. I it's it's weird that I flip that I flipped quite hard during the film and I was very I set myself very much up for uh, disappointment. You know how you sometimes have that feeling. You know, I'm not gonna like this, and um, slowly but surely that was cracked away by. They seem to be really trying, and a lot of the elements in this compared to Thunderball, I think, were far more thought out and interesting, and it was different mm. enough. So, you know, I liked this more than I thought I would, but um, I'm still giving it a five out of out of ten farts. It's mm-hmm. not good. But it's like I thought it was enjoyable. There are about a million other action movies of that are even I consider subpar that I would watch before this. Um, mm. Thunderball is boring. Thunderball, everything. I don't like anything about Thunderball to be honest, except for that opening sequence. So, yeah, for that opening sequence, I'm giving it two out of ten farts, just because that that makes me laugh. I've watched that on its own before because it's so stupid. But the rest of the movie is boring. Uh, and and shit and um, yeah, not a fan. Um, so it's my my turn to recommend this week. 
Um, I'm going to be recommending the best and worst of Jordan Peele as a director. Oh, cool. And, Doesn't he have, like, two films? Uh, yeah, he has two films. Okay. <laughs> this is me kind of cheating. Well, again. I haven't seen them. So you I'm haven't seen either of them? So, yeah. um, as far as I can tell, the best is Get Out and the worst is Us. But um, one of them's universally loved, uh, which is Get Out. And the other one, a lot of people fucking hate it. Um, us? So I'm Yeah, Us. A lot of people hate it. So, I'm interested to hear... Hmm. Uh, what you think and what I think on this viewing. I saw it at the cinema and I liked it, but um, I'm interested to to hear... Um, you know, I'm interested to watch it again and see what we think of it. Anyway, thanks for listening and um, uh, see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.